such a great job. I feel like, honestly, I mean, I already had an incredible respect for you, but I can't help but say I definitely respect you more. And just knowing and, and hearing people's stories about what we, what so many of us have gone through before we even became disciples, you know, our, our journey to even find God and how he's pursued us and sought after us and uh, to see the kind of freedom that we have when we come and really give our lives to Christ, the way that he can change us. I mean, the type of person that I am is very different from the type of person that I was. Uh, and, and, you know, when I study the Bible, total hypocrite, incredibly arrogant, selfish, materialistic. You know, I, I at one point thought, do I want to be a state? Do I want to be a, a, a senator? Do I want to, like, own my own business? Do I want to be a minister? I was like, if I'm a minister, you know, I, I grew up in the South, so I was like, oh, ministers make good money down there. I'm like, okay, some of them. There's a few that live in, like, the Dominion, which is, you know, there's no house under a million dollars down there. Uh, and I was like, hey, you know, I guess if they're that good, that's okay. And, and as I studied the Bible, I realized, you know what? That's not right. So, amen. Uh, and then now I'm in the ministry here, and it's it's... I'm, my needs are taken care of, and I give glory to God. So, amen to that. But, you know, at the same point, uh, that the thank you to Jesse, but I, I want to say another thank you, um, specifically to Uriel. And, um, you know, Uriel is going to, he's going to be heading back to Chicago this week. Uh, he's going to move back. And I know we sent him an email, but uh, I just want to say thank you, bro. We, we had a time for him on Friday night, and, and we did some sharing. But he's been an encouragement just in the time that he's been, he's been here, uh, gone, to, gone to, I know he went to Michael's football game at one point. He, he just showed up ready to serve the church. And because of specific health issues and him needing to be able to, to get the care that he needs um, and, and go and, and be with doctors who actually know him and know his needs, he's going to be headed back to Chicago. But, bro, I hope you feel like a hero. You, you are amazing. We're so grateful that you came. But uh, I just want to say thank you for coming. So, So, amen. So on that same, on a different note, I want to say happy Hanukkah. All right? Happy Hanukkah. And, and uh, that, that may seem a little funny because we often think of it as just the Jewish holiday. Um, but it's, it's, it's actually a, it is a Jewish holiday, but it's, it's one that I think we at the same time could recognize it going on. Uh, you know, I think parents don't like the idea of giving gifts for another eight days or something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, Hanukkah, I thought about it, and, and I'm not going to, and, and I, I will strive next year to actually teach about it. But it would have worked perfectly. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it today, but it would have worked perfect because the Maccabees are the people who it's about. And if you've ever, if you've read uh, Hebrews 11, which is where we're, we're at for the Hall of Faith, the, the Maccabee people are the people that are being spoken of when it says they were sawed in two, uh, that they, they were killed, that many were all of the really tragic, like horrifying things that Hebrews 11, when it starts talking about those people, it's talking about the Maccabees. And they are the people that are, are we're celebrating what God, the miracles God did for the Jewish people. And that's what the Festival of Lights is. That's what Hanukkah is. And, and so... What's funny is it's, it's in the Hall of Faith. They are in the Hall of Faith. Today is the last day of Hanukkah. And so Scott and Paul were trying to tell me I should stay up all night and study and write an entirely new sermon so that I could. And I didn't even think about it until this week that 
this would have worked perfect to do it on Hanukkah. So I apologize, but I will strive to be able to really help us know uh, what it is that these incredible men and women of faith did then. Uh, at another time, maybe maybe next year when Hanukkah is coming around, I'll take an opportunity to teach on it. But it's incredible. So happy Hanukkah to all of you. All right. Uh, I think it's okay. For, I, I strongly think it's okay that we can say that to each other. So amen. But um, this uh, this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about Elisha. And now that's Elijah, not Elisha. All right. So Elijah was the first one, and uh, I I try to remember it because J comes before S in the alphabet, so that's how I kind of remember that. So, uh, I used to get so confused, and then finally I just remembered it that way. But Elijah was uh, a major prophet, and in Hebrews 11, it does reference the prophets, and I've got to believe that he is one of the prophets being talked about. Because he, he had exceptional faith, and we saw incredible things that he did. You know, he was a man of incredibly bold prayer. I mean, he was just incredibly bold, but he was... He had bold prayer, and he had an exceptionally enduring spirit, right? And I want to talk a little bit about that today, but before I get started, you know, we, like I said, we're in the Hall of Faith series. I have a quick video I want to show you, and, and it's in reference to being bold and kind of how we ask for things from God, right? And kind of when prayer can come up, uh, this is a Christmas-themed, but the idea of when you have an opportunity to ask... You know, do we ask? Let's watch this. Towards the night before Christmas, and all across the land, the good folks of WestJet had a miracle planned. On the eve before flying, the guests were in their beds. Visions of traveling danced in their heads. While out on the runway, something secret had arrived. It was left in the lounge. It was a Christmas surprise.
moment of truth at Carousel 8. this week, so I'm all, like, secretly hoping that they're going to just have that little box there. I'm like, now it's not a secret. I'm going to go up and just be like, I, I don't know. Uh, pick something big. I, I, I won't be asking for socks and underwear. you got to imagine how that guy is feeling, especially when the big screen TV is rolling out, and he's like, uh, got my socks and underwear. All right. You know? But he did say, what I need is, and, and then he got what he needed. And so, uh, you know, I look at, at that scenario, you look at when all of these people are being asked, you know, what do you want, what do you need, what would you like, and, and you know, the, that relates very easily to prayer, right, and, and going to God, and, you know, I think it was bold, there's an aspect, you know, the, the little boy's like, I want an Android tablet, you know, I want the, like, the big screen TV, you saw, like, the new iPhone and go through there at one point, getting wrapped, and, and just all these like expensive gifts, and people were just being bold in what they were asking for. And, and I love, one of the aspects of Elijah is some of the things, he had times where this guy, he would ask, he'd ask for the moon practically, and, and sometimes he'd ask for just what he would need, and God would give it to him. You know, in, in uh, James, the book of James, chapter 5, verse 17, it says that Elijah was a man just like us. It said, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Whosoever is praying that it won't snow, please stop. All right? I'm going to put that out there. I would love to have some snow. Uh, if it's David, guys, you all know who to get later. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, we, we see these things, and it says Elijah was a man just like us, though. He just had great faith. And he was, he was very bold in his prayers. 
And, and so I want to give you a little bit of an idea. If you've uh, you got your Bible, you can turn over to uh, 1 Kings 17. But I want to give you a little bit of context of who this guy is, you know, what he's gone through. He's a prophet of God, meaning he is a, a speaker of the truth, somebody who, who God is speaking to him to, to lead him to talk about the issues going on in Israel, right? What's happening with God's people or, or to go out and, and correct injustice or ungodliness in the world. And, and so this prophet, though, Elijah, he's born, he is living, not born, he's living in the time of some of the worst kings in Israel's history. Israel is supposed to be the people of God. They're supposed to be the people who are, are serving God, loving God, giving their whole hearts to God. And, and they had certain laws and different expectations, but predominantly is that they would love God. And so Elijah is here. He's living in this time period under this king named Ahab. Now, Ahab is, is an, his, the worst king Israel has ever had. He's brought in false gods. He's had them set up in the temple. He's, he's married this woman named uh, Jezreel, and, and she's, she's practically a witch. I mean, this woman is horrible. She is a, a, she's a bloodthirsty woman. She is to the extreme. Uh, and, and this is who this guy is married. So you have this corrupt king and queen le- leading the country at this time. And so Elijah is living there. Prophets are being killed. And, and so God tells Elijah, he says, Elijah, go, and what I want you to do is, is essentially go live in this valley. All right? He says, go in this random valley, and you're going to live there. You're going to drink the water in the stream. And he says, I'm going to provide for you. How he provides for him is pretty interesting. He sends him bread and meat, but he has it delivered by ravens. Now, if you've ever seen ravens, I, like, they're not necessarily pretty birds right and they're kind of creepy and so when you have the idea of what kind of meats is it bringing him i don't know uh but he's bringing it's bringing him meats and somehow it's finding bread and they're bringing him bread and he's drinking the water from the stream and and it's not a this this glorious thing but it's pretty amazing that's an incredible miracle that he's being god is providing literally bringing the animals to bring him food but he's being provided for you know, it's maybe not something amazing. And, and so Elijah was there, and I, God knew what he needed. You know, I don't know if the birds was bringing him any socks and underwear. But it was, they were bringing what he needed at that time, right? And then goes on from there, and Elijah, the stream starts to dry up. Because Elijah had already prayed that rain would not fall on the land, right? And he'd already prayed, he's like, God, that, that these people would know that they're doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. He prayed that it would not rain. So to remove that blessing. And so he's the, the rainwater starts to dry up in this creek. And so he, he stops having water to drink. So he goes and he ends up living with this widow. And but this widow, he he asks her at one point, he's like, do you have can I have a drink of water? And then he says, but do you have any food? And she says, I only have a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. And. My son and I are going to eat the last of it and then die. I mean, that's, that's what she said. She's like, we're going, to, we're going to have one last meal, and then that's all we have. Because the famine was becoming so severe. And he says, essentially, if you share it with me, God will provide, and your flour and your oil will never run out. And, and so he actually lives with this widow for, it seems like, a number of years. He lives with her. 
And, and they, they eat of this flour and oil that just never seems to run out, which is, which is this incredible miracle. And while he's living with this woman, then this, the woman's son actually gets sick and dies. Now, this woman is just distraught. She's like, I've taken you in, man of God, and, and now my son has died. Like, what is happening? And, and, and Elijah goes to God and he says, this woman is, has provided and, and, and helped us and, and helped me. And, and he just prays to God. He's like, God, answer me. Like, like bring, give, give the boy his life back. And he needs a bold prayer. These are, these are not like little prayers, right? And even in, like, God's providing for his needs. But then Elijah's like, no, I want, like, bring this boy back. Bring him back. And, and the boy receives back his life. The mother receives her son. Right? And so that's mind-blowing. And then after this, they, uh, he, he's there with this woman. And it's been three years. There's been no rain on the land. And there's been zero rain. And God tells uh, Elijah, he says, go and confront the king. It's time for you to talk to the king. All right. And so this is where we're going to pick up. All right. We're going to pick up in First uh, Kings 18. Excuse me. You were in 17. First Kings 18. Where we're headed. And we're going to pick up in verse 17 where... Elijah is finally, he's, he's going to this king, this evil king who's been running Israel. And we're going to pick up here. It says this. This is the king. It says, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I've not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your fathers have. You have abandoned the Lord's command, command and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Or bring the 400 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? You see him on this mountain in front of all of these people. And he's just speaking to, to all of Israel. And you've got 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah there. And, and he's, he's speaking. He says, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. 
Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. And so they took the bull given them and prepared it. This is, Elijah gets a little, he starts uh, hearing the Mahar time. Let's start right now. Alright? So we pick up here. The prophets of Baal. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Oh, Baal, answer us! They shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder! Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is in deep thought. Or busy. Or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping. And must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as their custom, as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all of the people, Come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took twelve stones, one from each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged, see, it's about four gallons, if you want to know about how much water that can hold, it would be about four gallons. It's not a huge trench. But it's, it could hold that much water in it. So he arranged it into pieces. And he laid, or I'm sorry, he arranged the wood and cut the bowl into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering All right. and on the wood. All right, do it again, he said, and they did it again. All right, do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that the people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back. All right. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked, 
there's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and clouds, uh, with clouds, the wind rose and a heavy rain came on and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Sorry, I said, his wife's name is Jezebel, not Jezreel. Jezreel was where he went. But here is, here is Elijah, right? And he's got some snark, and I, I love it. I love that he's so bold, yeah. right? That encourages me uh, in, in a number of ways. But just to see, like, a prophet of God kind of show some snark to the world. He's like, to the, to the false prophets. He's like, no, 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 no. Your God's not God. My God is God. Yeah. Right? And, and when, when he's giving, giving them a hard time, it's, it's interesting. Um, Chris and I talked about whether or not I was going to say this. The, the Holman Bible, which is one of the ones I love to read, it's a very accurate translation. One of the ways it says, uh, in, in one of the comments or, or subtext of it, when it talks about maybe he's, he's away, uh, it says that he, he's teasing them. It could mean what he's saying is maybe he's using the restroom. Like maybe he's relieving himself. And he's, what he's doing is he's just humiliating their God. He's like, well, he's, he's this. He's like, our God doesn't, he's never not present. He's always present. He's always around. He's always listening. And now whether or not he's listening, you know, sometimes you, you wonder if he's listening or if he's going to answer. But, you know, he's, he's showing, Elijah is just showing the character of God. He's like giving them a, a hard time about it. But he's being so bold. He's, he's being bold in character and he's being bold in faith. He's being, and then he gets up in front of everybody and he's like, God, prove it. Like, show it. Now, I would have a really hard time not being personally kind of arrogant if God had done all these things for me, like at different times and answered some prayers. Uh, I, I just look at Elijah and I go, man, he must have had an incredible heart. Because I think that, I wonder if God would only bless that if the heart is really like, I only want to glorify God. Yeah. Right? Because he's there and he goes, I want them to know that it's you, God, that are doing this. Like, you've sent me, it's your power, it's what you're doing, it's so that they will know that you are God. Not to glorify myself, but to glorify you, oh God. Do you get what I'm saying? And so he's there and he's praying, he's like, guys... This is God, the one God. And he, I love when I, you know, Elijah, he's out there and he's saying, answer me. Answer me, oh God, so that they will know it's you. They will know that you are God. Right? And I, and I think about that, char- that character, that quality, that what he is doing. Right? He's trying to set, we, we see this scripture, to, to teach the people. But even when we look at Elijah as a, as a man, a hero of faith, do we follow in examples like this? You know, when we pray, are we praying bold prayers? Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Are, we, are we out there like, you know, praying for the, the, the big things that God would be glorified? 
you know, and, and of course you can pray. I mean, Elijah, I'm sure he prayed when he was praying for the, the flour and the oil. You know, he's praying about the things that he needs. And God gives him the things he needs. You know, he has the socks and underwear prayer. But at this point, he's praying for the big prayers. Right? The bold things. The big things to ask for. And I guess my question to you guys are, are we praying for that stuff? Oh, yeah. Or are you only praying for the socks and underwear? Uh, the, the, really, the really interesting one is, think about this. All of those people in the airport, right? They're, they're there in the airport, and you see the people going up to the box and, and checking their boarding pass and, and doing that. And, and the people who just sat there and, and were like, nah, I'm not going to do it. How do you think they felt when they got to the end? When they, they decided they weren't going to go and, and, like, ask for something. They weren't going to get up and participate. And, and then all these people are receiving, like, gifts, some extravagant gifts. I mean, how were they kicking themselves for not asking? Not even asking for socks and underwear. They just didn't ask for anything. Do you guys... How many of us are just sitting there not checking in to ask, right? You just sit there and miss out on the gifts and the blessings of God. Seeing God do amazing things. Amazing things. And, and you miss out, right? And it's my, my encouragement to you is stop missing out. Stop it. Have a great prayer life. Talk to God. Now, this isn't always just pray about what you need, like go to God and ask for what you need, because if you've studied what, what it means to pray and you follow Jesus' example, uh, you're going to glorify God. You're going to ask for forgiveness. You're going to humble yourself before God. It's not an all-give-me situation. Uh, if, that's what you're, if that's what your prayers are, I just want to encourage you, your prayers are not where they need to be. You know, focus on who God is. He's amazing. He's already given us so much. Even if you just think about the things you've been given, just express gratitude to God in your prayer. Spend the first part of it just being thankful. And, and it's actually the other things, the rest of prayer comes so much easier. But don't be afraid to pray some bold prayers too. Right? Prayers that are going to glorify God. And sometimes we pray some bold prayers. I prayed, can I help me win the lottery before I prayed that. Uh, you know, that's pretty selfish. Just, just be real. I do want to like give a lot away and, and do all this, but there's also the, the selfish aspect there. You know, uh, there is certainly that. I've prayed for, for a bunch of different things, but I've prayed uh, in a lot of elements that have been selfish, and I've prayed for a lot of, a lot of things that God just directed me in my life. You know, and if you know our story, I've prayed many prayers about Chris and I's relationship, and God has answered them. In some crazy ways. If you haven't heard the story, stick around. You'll hear them at some point again. I'm sure I'll talk about them. But, you know, God does amazing things in answering prayers. Start praying if you're not praying. Ask for the basics. And ask for some big things, too. Don't be afraid. Amen? You know, in all of this, I want to encourage you to be sure to go back and, and read through Elijah. Like, read through the things he was, he was going through, right? I want to share another scripture. It's, we're going to jump a little bit in First uh, Kings uh, 19. We're going to look there, but we're only going to skip like a, a single verse. But Elijah's character, he wasn't just bold at praying. He was very enduring. And so 
His spirit, though, was to endure. This guy lived in the time of one of the worst kings ever. Right? And he's there. Prophets are dying. He's, he's, he's saying that he's one of the only ones left. He's not. There's, you know, there's still another, like, hundred prophets left that are being hidden away. God says later, he's like, I reserve 7,000 people that have still not bowed down to Baal. And, but he's, he's feeling totally alone. Right? He's feeling completely alone. He's in a time where there's severe drought. You know, he's got a bird feeding him. Who knows what kind of things he's being brought by the bird. He, he's just living with his widow. He's experiencing just trial and hardship and famine and, and discouragement. Right? And what's interesting is I see in Elijah, he just had one of the greatest victories of his life right now. He's like, let the people know that you are God. And all the people bow down and they're like, you know, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And he's, <clears throat> personally, I would think that he was rejoicing in his heart thinking, all right, things are turning, it's starting to rain, all the blessings are going to come, and it's about to be great, God. You know, the trials are ending, they're ending. And then he finds out the next day that Jezebel, all right, all right she's got some words for him. Come on. And that's where we pick up. In verse 1, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left his servant there. And while he, uh, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Right? You know, what's a, a broom tree, so you guys know. This is what a broom tree kind of looks like. It's big, kind of scraggly tree. Some of them look better than this. Uh, you know, they, when they have full leaves, it would provide quite a bit of shade. And the idea that, here he is, he's just, he's run for his life. He's had this great victory, and he's expecting things are going to be different now. Things are going to change. It's going to be... God is going to bless it and, and just change things. All right. And the next thing he hears is a death threat on his life. Come on. You're going to die. If I don't do it by tomorrow, you're dead. Like, I, I'm coming uh, after you. Uh, you know, can you imagine how discouraging that would be? Mm-hmm. To, to suddenly have all of this hope and, and excitement and encouragement, yeah. and then to feel like... What? Exactly. <laughs> right? You feel like... The world, you're just like, I'm, I'm, what's happening, guys? What, what's happening? This is supposed to be different. And, and he's like, why are you treating me this way, God? I'm done. Just take my life. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm finished. You know, times like that are going to come. And Elijah has endured for years under a 
ungodly king. You know, an idolatrous queen who would out his life. Trials come. Even when we live for God, trials come. And there will be times, you know, Elijah, he had an enduring spirit. But even this great man of faith felt broken and died. Right? And, and what encourages me about that is that even the mighty get love. Right? Even the mighty can become love in the spirit and just feel like, God, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm so done. I just, just take my life. I just don't want to do this anymore. You know? But it's, it's interesting what you see happen afterwards. You know, what ends up happening is God, God sends an angel this time, not a bird. He sends an angel. And he, he wakes, he has an angel wake him up. And he has food already prepared for him. He's like, he's got some, he's got a little fire and, and some like uh, cakes there for him. And he says, hey, eat. Wake up and eat, Elijah. The journey that you're about to go on is too hard for you. And God's like, I'm going to sustain you. And then he, he, he falls asleep. He eats some, he falls asleep. God wakes him up. No, no, you need to eat more. Eat more. Here's more food. All right, still sustaining him, meeting his needs. Though, I, I don't think that his spirit has just suddenly changed. In fact, I know it's not. And then God sends him on this journey. It says it was 40 days, and he travels to another mountain. And he's there, and he's on top of Mount Horeb. And he's on this mountain. <clears throat> and God does some crazy things on this mountain. Fire, earthquake, wind, storm. <clears throat> and then, at the end, there's a, a quiet gentle whisper and God calls him out of this cave that he had him hiding in on this mountain and says why are you here and Elijah's like I've had zeal for you I've loved you like I've, I've, I've shared your word I've done all of these things and, and you can just kind of feel that he's like almost like why are you doing this right but he gets refreshed by God from this time he, he has to spend a little bit of time with God and, and he actually God speaks to him and from this time of getting to actually talk with God, Elijah then, he, he goes off and he does many more amazing things from there. But he was tired and he was fatigued and he was, he was tired of trying. But what he needed was time with God before he could continue the work that he had to do. You know, for us guys, there are so many times in our lives that we will come through a challenge, Right? We're going to come through a challenge. You're going to face hard times. And, and sometimes they, they, the times are long. Sometimes they're short. But God does not cease to be great or good in those times, right? We may feel discouraged. But what we need more than anything else is not to distance ourselves to God from God, but to bring ourselves close. And that's what Elijah does. He gets close to God. And he maybe he had to travel or he had to journey, but he had to get close to the Father. You know, and, and I guess I put to you guys, what do you guys do when it's a challenge? Are you devoted to that prayer? Are you devoted to, to getting to know God, to be close to Him? Because ultimately, that's where Elijah had to go. Right? That's where he had to go. He had to get that, that refreshing time. He had to be nourished by God. And what he ended up doing was continuing to see many other incredible miracles happen. He, he appointed kings. He appointed more prophets. He, he changed Israel 
but he couldn't do it until he had the time from God. And I guess all of this comes up to this is that we can be like Elijah. He was a man just like us. He struggled in his faith. He had great challenge. But he had a great prayer life. And he really fought and sought after God. Right? And so... I think we need to make sure that those are things we do. We have this Hall of Faith series, guys. We're, we're going through the heroes of the faith because they're people we should, in, in their faith, we should emulate. Yeah. Some of them have some horrible things that they do, honestly. Yeah. They're not perfect people. All right. That's why Jesus is the Savior, not them. Amen. But that's, we, we look at this. And I guess I'm going to call us and say, let's make sure that we are following, we're following Christ, but... When we see these examples of great faith, great humility, great boldness, courage, zeal, passion, compassion, that we're following those examples, that we're not giving up too easily, that we're having the the enduring spirit. And there will be times it's going to be hard, you know. But I love Carl's Carl's sermon last week. You know, he said a lot of good, uh, a lot of encouraging things, and and uh, through the challenges he's had, we're not grasshoppers. He said, we're not little. Sometimes we are little. But God is big. God is great. That's what makes these heroes of faith great heroes of faith. Because they are the ones who see God as big and them as small. They have great humility. They have courage. They have zeal. They have all of these things because God gave it to them through the faith that they had. Right? So let's make sure that's how we see God. Let's fight to see great things happen. Let's fight to be great men and women of passion and faith and zeal. And to make sure that through our times of trial and struggle, uh, we hold close to Him. We don't run from Him, but we run to Him. Can we do that, church? Amen. Let's do it.